Legacy, part two, 2 Peter 1, verses 4 through 8. Last week in the sermon, we saw how to pass along a God-honoring legacy. And we looked at the who, the what, and the why questions of passing along a legacy. By way of review, we said that the who that is, who best passes on the right kind of a legacy, they are bond servants of Christ. And we were called to present our bodies as living sacrifices to become bond servants. The what, the question, what is best passed on with the right spiritual legacy, we answered from the text that several salvation blessings are what we should aim to pass on. Namely, faith to believe in Christ, imputed righteousness, grace, peace, two kinds of knowledge, a full discernment which connects the dot kind of knowledge, and a comprehension due to experience kind of knowledge, and the calling to salvation. Those were the what's we saw in verses 1 to 3 of what we ought to be seeking to pass on, to pass on proper legacy. Also last week in verses 1 to 3, the question who, excuse me, the question how is legacy best passed on? How is legacy best passed on? And we saw three things. We saw the Holy Spirit, the Bible, and Christ as being the three hows of passing along the right spiritual legacy. And now today's sermon, based on 2 Peter 1, 4 through 8, will look further into this concept of passing on a Christ-honoring legacy. And last sermons, who and what and how, will lead us today to attributes, question mark. Attributes. What are the attributes of our lives that will pass along a proper spiritual legacy to our children, to our grandchildren, to our spiritual children? What attributes should we be cultivating? What we're going to see is that all of these attributes in verses 4 through 8 can be added up together and called a family resemblance. We are to live with a family resemblance to God. We should look like God to our kids. We should look like the Lord to our grandkids. We should resemble the God of the Bible to our spiritual children. Proper legacy bears a family resemblance to God. And so when we successfully pass on a Christ-honoring legacy, the persons who take the handoff of that legacy should themselves come to bear a family resemblance to God, even as we have a family resemblance to God as we pass on legacy. And as already mentioned, 
Uh, our verses today are verses 4 through 8 of 2 Peter 1. And in verse 8, the last verse of today's passage, it gives us the bottom line family resemblance which God the Father wants for each of us who pass along legacy. The bottom line, family resemblance, is described in 2 Peter 1, verse 8. Hear the word of God. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of the Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you heard it. The bottom line, family resemblance, which God desires for us, is that we will be both useful and fruitful. But more, we will be both useful and fruitful in the sweet state of having knowledge. And the Greek word here, the kind of knowledge in view, is the full discernment knowledge, the knowledge of properly connecting the dots of God's word, God's stated plan and purpose, and each and every detail of our lives as we pass along legacy. So I'll read verse 8 again. This is how God summarizes the family resemblance that he wants you and I to have as we're passing on a Christ-honoring legacy. Verse 8, for if these qualities, and we're going to explore what these qualities are in the verses that precede verse 8, just in a moment, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, let's turn to these various attributes which God would have to be part of our legacy to leave to the believers who are going to outlive us. All of these various attributes when they are on the increase, that will mean that the family resemblance to God the Father is the wonderful legacy which has been caught by those we influence. By the way, our children, grandchildren, and spiritual children are what is caught by them is even better than what is taught to them. It's fine to teach our children, spiritual children, grandchildren, truth. Fine, we should. But they are going to catch even more as they watch us live. More is caught than is taught. And so the wonderful legacy that God wants us to pass along a Christ-honoring legacy, has attributes to it that when taken in collection cause us to have a family resemblance to God. And those attributes and that family resemblance is better caught than taught to our children, grandchildren, 
spiritual children. That being said, let's look at these attributes one at a time. The first attribute is promise-claiming. Promise-claiming. I see that in the first part of verse 4. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. The first attribute is you want to be a person who claims the promises of God. Specifically, in context, the promises of God with regard to eternal life and abundant life. And so it would be interesting for those of you who still have children or grandchildren under your roof, if you took some recipe cards and you did some time to write out Bible verses that have to do with God's promises to believers, promises pertaining to eternal life and promises pertaining to abundant life, and you had that stack of recipe cards every dinner or breakfast, every meal you have together as a family. And someone in the family takes the turn of pulling one of those recipe cards out and reads scripture, the verse, that provides promise from God about eternal life or promise from God about abundant life. And then if the family would take the time to memorize that scripture verse, which is a promise. Then the next day, the next breakfast, or the next dinner, whatever you're doing, another family member would go to that deck of three by five cards, pull out another card that has scripture, a Bible verse written out pertaining to the eternal life promises of God or the abundant life promises of God to believers, and the same thing happens again. You talk about that Bible promise, and you seek to memorize that verse. That would be a good thing to do. That would be a way to have an attribute of promise claiming from the scriptures. The second attribute that you ought to be shooting for and I ought to be shooting for is the um, expression of a new nature. I see that in the second part of verse 4. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, watch now, in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature. When we say that to properly pass along a legacy, one of the attributes of our lives is to exhibit our new nature, we are saying we ought to live in congruence, lining up with the fact that we are born again, that our old man or woman has died that we are now in Christ, not in Adam, that we are new creations in Christ, that we are now temples of the Holy Spirit. That would be a wonderful way to live, to seek to pass on legacy. Let me give you an example. What about having this mindset that you would discipline yourself, you who are married, that you would have this mindset that as a husband, God the Father is your father-in-law. So I'm married to Beth. God the Father is Beth's father in heaven. So God the Father 
is my father-in-law. That'll shape how I speak to Beth. That'll shape how I live with Beth. That will shape how I appreciate Beth. Also, if you're a wife, God the Father is your father-in-law because your husband, who is saved, has a heavenly father in heaven, and because he has a heavenly father in heaven, then the heavenly father in heaven is your father-in-law, wife. That, too, is going to shape how you relate to your husband, how you respect him, how you stand under his leadership. That frame of mind takes time to work into your thinking, but you can do that, and it would be a good exercise to do that. It would change our marriages. And so we're talking about attributes to cultivate in our Christian lives so that we can pass along a Christ-honoring legacy. We've seen first the attribute of promise claiming from the Bible, second the attribute of living out a new nature. The third attribute, as found in the first part of verse 5, is diligence. Diligence. Now, for this very reason, also supplying all diligence, we should live diligent lives. As legacy passers on, our lives should accurately be described as being diligent. What do I mean about diligence? I mean maximum effort in the service of Christ. Not half-hearted effort, not if it's convenient effort, maximum effort. I mean doing God's will with earnestness and urgency. The Christian who gives maximum effort to serve Christ and who does the known will of God with earnestness and with urgency is a diligent Christian who will pass on the proper legacy. And so what if you identify, particularly for uh, your children who are still under your roof, parents, what if you identified chores for each of your children, and then beyond the chores, you help them to see what duties to God are being carried out by doing a certain chore? That for every chore you have for every child, you would help them to know for every chore how that involves fulfilling a duty that they have to God. Another exercise that would be very helpful, and by the way, you could do that exercise if you have no children left at home. You can help your wife and you to see that as husbands and wives. You can do the same thing. The chores that you do is people without children still home. But you could also do the exercise of identifying the privileges of fulfilling our God-given duties. For instance, a job well done is a wonderful, wonderful thing. It helps you to go to sleep at night, helps you to eat a, a better meal, and be, be satisfied and enjoy it. We can see, do we see witnessing Christ as a duty? It is a duty. But is it also a privilege? The angels can't do it. 
They look in on our salvation. They can't get in on our salvation, and they can't tell anybody about our salvation. It's a privilege to share the gospel. Are you sharing it? Also, you with your husband or your wife and with your kids still at home, you could help identify how the pleasures you have in life, and you could list them, how they bring glory to God. Entertainment. Does your entertainment please Jesus Christ? If your entertainment pleases Jesus Christ, you can say the pleasure we have of watching that particular movie that glorified Jesus Christ brings pleasure to God, that that's how we use some of his time loaned to us, and it brings us pleasure to see a wholesome story, a motivating story, an inspiring story, etc. Chores, duties, privileges, pleasures. That's how to live diligently. Fourth attribute, how to live to pass on a Christ-honoring legacy, moral excellence, still in verse 5. Now, for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. Moral excellence, that is experiential knowledge. That knowledge we've been talking about of comprehension via experience. When sometimes people on Facebook or other places, when you ask them where they went to school, some people will say, I went to the school of hard knocks. And that is one of the most valuable schools there is, by the way, the school of hard knocks, learning what does and doesn't work by doing things. So to live with um, moral excellence is to live with knowledge and to live in a way that you stand out for Christ. You have moral excellence. And it says to supply moral excellence in your day-to-day living, to, to supply it. And the word there means to abundantly supply it. That you can't overdo it when it comes to being morally excellent. And you will be standing out for Christ in a God-honoring way when you abundantly supply moral excellence. What about this for you that have children still at home? What if you kept track in a diary of spiritual heroic deeds? So when Johnny or Susie, your younger children, do something that heaven says is spiritually heroic, Thanking mommy for dinner. Phoning a little friend from school to help with homework. Spiritually heroic deeds written in a diary. Spiritually heroic deeds from heaven's point of view that the wife does or that the husband does. To keep a little diary with the whole mindset over this diary of writing down spiritually heroic deeds done. Always having the attitude and the evaluation as to God be the glory diary. In fact, that's what you could call it. The to God be the glory diary. And then you talk and observe and encourage each other for spiritually heroic deeds that the youngest child in your family did or the middle child in your family did or the eldest child in your family did or mommy did or daddy did. Moral excellence. And now going down to knowledge. 
We see it there at the end of verse 5. And now for this very reason, also supplying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence and in your moral excellence, knowledge. And here we get to the type of knowledge that I was just speaking about, experiential knowledge, comprehension through experience knowledge, the school of hard knocks knowledge, practical discernment, knowing the will of God for all the areas of your life knowledge, and the knowledge that comes from intensely disciplined study of the scriptures, life learning knowledge. You're going to pass along the right legacy. You're going to have to live with life learning. You have to connect the dots between what God says is in word, what his plans and purposes are for your life, your redeemed life, and how it fits your life. You could have a time in your eating together as a family that you could talk about discovery and discussion about how the Bible fits life. I'll give you an example. Yesterday I was driving. I was at the intersection of Wolf Road and Collins Avenue. I was at a red light. There is a man in the shade seated on two concrete blocks reading his Bible. (laughs) That's an example of uh, desiring the word of God like a newborn baby desires the pure milk. That's an example. That's how Bible fits life. When you go through life as a parent or as a child looking for how the Bible fits life and then you can report it to each other as husband or wife, as family with kids still at home, it will help you live properly to pass on the proper legacy. Sixth attribute in our passage is self-control. Verse 6, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness. self Control. Of course, that's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a part of the ninefold uh, profile of the fruit, singular, of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 to 23. And the idea here in this self-control is live in such a way as holding oneself in. Holding oneself in with respect to flesh, with respect to passions, with respect to appetites, with respect to speech. Hold yourself in with Holy Spirit power. Maybe I could say it this way. Do you regularly see your eye doctor? Men? We lust through our eye gate. So we need to regularly see our eye doctor. Women, do you regularly see your ear, nose, and throat doctor? Because so often our sisters in Christ struggle with gossip, flattery, a critical spirit. Sister in the Lord, do you regularly visit the ear, nose, and throat doctor? Children, do you regularly go to the mind doctor? The mind doctor? Because children, often what you struggle with is ingratitude or rebellion. Ingratitude 
gone to seed without being pulled out of the garden of your mind goes to rebellion. Ingratitude is the seed and the baby plant. And when the plant that doesn't get pulled out by the Holy Spirit of the garden of your mind, it turns to rebellion. That's how you have a rebellious teenager. They started with an ungrateful attitude. And so we all need to go to the doctor. And of course, the doctor is Jesus Christ, and the doctor is his word, the Bible. The eye doctor for men, the ear, nose, and throat doctor for women, and the mind doctor for children. We all need regular doctor's checkups. Okay, so still, what are the attributes that will make us resemble the Heavenly Father? What are the attributes that will help us pass on proper legacy? The next one is perseverance, verse 6. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. Perseverance is nothing more and nothing less than godly habits. If you have godly habits maintained, then you are a persevering Christian. If you do not have godly habits established, you are not persevering as a Christian. Godly habits, it's patient endurance to do the right thing despite trial or temptation. Perseverance, it's spiritual staying power. When they call you a name for being a Jesus follower at work, when circumstances go south in terms of the world's evaluation of how you're doing financially or in your health, or whatever else, your children. When we have perseverance, we have godly habits in the midst of those things. We have a patient endurance to do the right thing despite the trial or the temptation. And we have spiritual staying power. Here's an application. For you who are a husband and a wife at home without children home. Or if you are a younger family with a mom and a dad and younger children, Why don't you find some biographies of Christians from yesteryear who stayed the course, who persevered and left a spiritual legacy? Moving on, still with attributes, godliness, still with verse 6. And in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness. Godliness. Godliness is the attitude and the conduct of a reverent, God-fearing person. If you have the proper respect and fear of God, it's the beginning of knowledge, according to Proverbs 1, verse 7. But if you want to know how to be on the right road, the road to godliness, then be on the road where your attitudes and your conduct and your speech fears God. Respects God. (laughs) What could we do for that? We could run a daily respect review. (laughs) We could run a daily respect review. And what we could do with the help of the Holy Spirit to take a few moments to ask ourselves, did I make any flippant remarks about God today? Did I tell any off-color jokes? Did I misuse God's time given to me today? A daily respect review. And guess what? If you still have children at home and you will do that, parents, and help your kids to do that as well, they will never 
forget how you train them to be reverent toward God. They'll never forget. Because they will know daddy realized he didn't use time wisely often. Or daddy uh, realized that he spoke too casually about God often. And he repented and he repented and he repented. And guess what? They are going to be more careful about speaking casually about God because what they saw their daddy do when he misstepped and did that. A daily respect review. Moving on. Still with attributes that help us have a family resemblance to the Father and a legacy worth passing on. Brotherly kindness, verse 7. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. What is brotherly kindness? Brotherly kindness is affection in the smaller family of God and affection in the larger family of God. If you know Christ as a husband and a wife and kids in the smaller family of God is your nuclear family. And you, <laughs> God wants you to have affection one for the other. Uh, the larger family of God is Calvary Bible Church, your church family. And God wants us to have affection for one another, for each brother and each sister in the Lord. He wants us to have affection, mutual affection for each other. But guess what? The larger family of God includes the world. And specifically, where our, our missionaries are serving as an extension of our church. There is a person I will not name who has an affection for one of our missionaries, Phyllis Newby, who works with orphans in Haiti. And this believer, on top of what the believer gives to our local assembly financially, this believer faithfully brings a designated financial gift to the church for us to get to Miss Newby. That's an affection for the larger family of God. And so brotherly kindness is affection in the smaller, medium-sized, and larger families of God. And it's a mutual sacrifice for each other. And so something that we do that is very practical, and we don't even maybe think about doing it anymore because we've been doing it for many, many, many decades, is we call each other a brother and sister. That's good. That teaches our children that Mrs. Mrs. Gibson isn't just Mrs. Gibson. She's Sister Harriet. She's my sister. Calling each other brother and sister. And then I think of when Jesus was teaching and they said to him, his half-brothers and his mother had come to see him and they, they implied, you better stop teaching all these other people because the first priority is your mother and your half-brothers. And you know what Jesus said? He didn't stop teaching and he pointed to those that were listening to his teaching. He says, behold, my mother and my brothers. And so Jesus was teaching that our first family is a spiritual family. And our second family is our physical family. Jesus is not against physical family. He's not putting it down. He's just saying, get it in its right place. The spiritual family is priority over the physical family because in the spiritual family, we'll be brothers and sisters in Christ forever and eternity. And some of our physical families, unfortunately, some of our physical family members are not going to be going to heaven unless they trust Christ. And so brotherly kindness. Attribute 10, love. 
verse 7. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. Of course, this is agape love. This is the highest kind of love. This is God's love for you and me. It's the love that discerns the greatest need in the one who is loved, and then it sacrificially gives to meet that need without concern for the cost or the payback. Agape love, that's the kind of love that God wants you and I to live as an attribute. That's the kind of way that we'll have a spiritual legacy to pass on that's worth passing on. So this love that is not a feeling, this love that is not a mood, this love that is not tied to circumstances, but this love that is a choice, this love that is a decision, this love that is a sacrifice, how do you do that? you got to know the needs. If I'm to love you in a way that I give sacrificially to meet your needs, I need to know what your needs are. And some of you won't tell me your needs for various reasons. So that doesn't take me off the hook. I need to patrol and patrol and find out what your needs are. I need to listen. I need to pray. I need to observe. Oh, that's his need. I can sacrificially give to meet his need. I could even do it anonymously. So we who are seeking to live the proper legacy by having the proper attributes to have a family resemblance to the Heavenly Father, that we should do a needs patrol. We should be patrolling to discover needs all the time. Not going through a life with, these are my needs. How am I going to get my needs met? Who meets my needs? Does anybody think about my needs? No. What is her need? I think it's that. Father, could you show me how to sacrifice to meet my sister's need? That's the Christian life. An other's orientation. Love. Not getting. Giving. A needs patrol. You could talk about that as a family. Maybe you don't name names. Maybe you don't give identities to your children who can't hold a confidence. Maybe you just say, there's a person I know who has this need, and this is what God led me to do to meet it. You don't have to name the person, maybe. Children, for children, it's more caught than taught. And so, looking at the whole passage, about passing on a proper legacy. Who? Bond servants. What? Salvation blessings. How? The Holy Spirit, the Bible, and Christ. Attributes, a family resemblance. And to go through what we've said that family resemblance is really quickly, the family resemblance is promise claiming, new nature, diligence, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. When we, with the Spirit of God's help and strength, do that, we bear a family resemblance to God the Father. And it says we become useful and fruitful, this verse 8, in the kind of knowledge that knows full discernment by connecting the dots. Okay, so in the closing this message, I want to be real. <laughs> I always want to be real. But I, I want to be real. Perhaps you've heard these two messages on passing on a legacy, and you are honestly very discouraged. 
you're discouraged because you face the fact that you've not been doing a very good job of passing along a Christ-honoring legacy. Or because you honestly admit to yourself that instead of passing on a Christ-honoring legacy, you've been passing along a bad legacy. So you're discouraged. You wonder, is there any hope? You wonder if you can change. You can wonder if you've lost the respect of your wife or your husband, or you've lost the respect of your children or grandchildren, or you've lost the respect of your spiritual children. You wonder what to do. I want you to know five things. Number one, you can be forgiven. But you must ask God for forgiveness. And after you've asked God for forgiveness, ask your family for forgiveness. Number two, you must turn from what's bad to what's good. It will make matters worse if you ask God for forgiveness and ask your family for forgiveness and then you don't change. It will make matters worse. But you can change. Number three, you need to ask those who love you most and you most love how you could encourage them. Four, you need to regularly, regularly review the truths of first, pardon me, second Peter 1, 1 to 8. You need to regularly listen to these two sermons. They will be on our church website indefinitely. You can always come back to our website and view these two sermons as a refresher course. Five, you must believe that the God of mercy can restore the years which the locusts have eaten. That concept of God restoring the years that the locusts have eaten comes from the Old Testament book of Joel. You could read the Old Testament book of Joel, and particularly chapter 2 of Joel, and see that God can restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Maybe you've been passing on a bad legacy for years. With God's grace and your repentance, God can restore those years that the locusts have eaten. And when all is said and done, you pass along a God-Christ-honoring legacy. I want to tell you a true story in closing. It's about a man named Henry Light. Henry had an awful father. And eventually, Henry's parents separated, and Henry's father remarried. Around that time, uh, Henry's father sent Henry off to boarding school. And from that time until the time that Henry Light's father died, Whenever the father wrote to his son, Henry, he signed every letter, your uncle. He never signed a letter, your father. He signed your uncle. The father was so troubled and mean that he refused to let his own son, Henry, even call him father. 
your uncle. That's a bad legacy, we would all agree. But the very good news is that Henry Light was a believer in Jesus Christ, and the gospel which saved Henry was the gospel which um, morphed and transformed his viewpoint on family and everything else. This wonderful good news to tell you is for Henry Light, the gospel had the boundless power to deconstruct his hurts and to reconstruct his hurts of losing an earthly father who was still alive. The immense beauty of the gospel healed Henry Light's heart. And the healed heart of Henry Light remains with us to help us to know the power of the gospel and the praise of the Lord Jesus Christ in hymns. Henry Light wrote these hymns, God of mercy, God of grace, Jesus, I, my cross, have taken. Abide with me. Praise my soul, the King of heaven. A God-dishonoring legacy from an unwilling father was exchanged for a God-honoring legacy of a beautiful, biblical, uplifting set of hymns with a proper view of God as Father, which are still being sung in the church of Jesus Christ all these centuries later. So here's the deal. The fix for so far not passing on the right spiritual legacy is this. Live out the family resemblance attributes, starting now. And equally, the fix for not receiving a proper spiritual legacy is also live out the family resemblance attributes starting now. The fix is the same. I trust that we will be a local church that by God's grace and for God's glory is passing on proper legacy to those that look to us, who with all things being equal will outlive us on earth. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time in your word. We thank you that there is a definable legacy for us to pass along. Lord, for some of us, we need to repent and go in new directions. Help us. For others of us, Lord, we are working uh, along the right lines. We're on the right path. And we need your help to keep us on the right path. Lord, help us to put into practice some of the suggestions that were made in this sermon in our homes, that this would not just uh, be preached on this particular Lord's Day and then forgotten, uh, filed away, uh, not used, but rather they would make a difference. The, the truth of this passage would make a difference practically in our lives. For we pray this in Jesus' name, with Jesus' sake, amen.